I added one more podcast to the giant podcast bin. Now you have plucked that podcast out and started listening. I took my microphone and found some human folk. Then I recorded all the noises while we spoke. My name is Adam Buxton. I'm a man. I want you to enjoy this. That's the plan. How you doing, podcats? Adam Buxton here. Beautiful day out here in Norfolk, in the east of England, October 2018. And change is afoot in the countryside. Leaves of deciduous trees turning brown and gold, tumbling to the ground. It's the fall, Rosie. Do you get it? Oh, still a bit too early for that, I think. Yeah, but if I wait any longer, it's going to be Johnny Winter. What are you talking about? I don't know. Oh, I've seen a thing. I'm going to go. Bye. Harry Bullet, fly past. So welcome, listeners, to episode number 80 of the Adam Buxton podcast. Thanks so much for joining me once again. And this episode features a conversation with American comedian, storyteller, actor and writer Desiree Birch. She grew up in California before moving to New York City, where she cut her teeth as a stand-up comedian and a theatre performer. She holds a BA in theatre studies from Yale University. That is a prestigious learning seat. And now she lives in London, which is where I spoke to her towards the beginning of this year, 2018. And I bought Desiree a gift, as you will hear. The gift of Truth or Dare Sticks. And that sent us off on a variety of uh, conversational tangents, which included fantasy jobs, teenage sexual angst, and the reason that, age 12, I was concerned I might be the Antichrist. All will be revealed. Relationship malaise, and some frank descriptions of Desiree's younger days when she worked briefly as a pro-dominatrix in New York. Trigger warning, there is some mention of... Uh, testicle abuse. Now, I'd seen Desiree on the BBC's stand-up comedy showcase live at the Apollo, and during her set, she enjoys some laughs at the expense of what she describes as short, white, fetishy men. Here's a clip. And the thing is, like, short guys are cool. They're usually, like, funny and charming and gregarious, because they gotta be. Um, and, like, I mean, I definitely will go home with a short dude, you know? Like, they're hot, right? I just can't date them during daylight hours. Um, no, I mean, because, like, you know, I tend to date a lot of white dudes, and the problem is I can't walk down the street holding a short white dude's hand, because I'm going to look like his Jamaican nanny picking him up from daycare. <laughs> Well, I found that amusing, but I identify as a tall, beautiful Indian dude. So I was interested to hear if other people ever get offended by her material and how she navigates that area in general. And that was how our enjoyable and meandering conversation began. I'll be back to say a brief goodbye at the end of the podcast, but right now, here we go.
especially as a comic. Obviously, you don't want to be offending lots of people, but to some extent, comedy is going to offend somebody. Like the butt of the joke rotates, ideally. It can't always just be you. Especially on a show like Live at the Apollo, where you have a huge audience, many of whom will not have seen you Yeah, I have no idea who you are. They don't know where you're coming from. Yeah. And that's the thing with, especially with quite edgy comedy as well, where you're dealing with difficult subjects or taboo subjects. Sometimes it's very helpful for the audience to have that confidence in you. They already know where you're coming from. They know you're a good guy. They yeah. Know you know, they and know. that you're coming around to something that's inclusive, even yeah. if you're, yeah, as opposed to just being like, well, I mean, we don't know who you are, so you probably suck. Yeah. And, you know, you know, you, like you better show us right away and then never let us down, yes. which is not a thing a human being can do. Yeah, because there <laughs> are some comedians who get into strange areas. These days, it's not all as simple as like a right-wing comedian, he does all right-wing stuff with right-wing opinions or yeah. a left-wing comedian, it's all... There's there's quite a few grey areas. So you can have... Well, I was watching um, some Bill Burr stuff the mm-hmm. other day and yeah. he's someone who's been on the podcast. Yeah, and he's, he's a master of a grey area. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and there's a lot of people who listen to him on this podcast and then said, oh, I, I checked his stuff out afterwards. I didn't know it before. And I've got to say, I found it a bit hard to take, you know, why Why is this guy, why did you have him on? Like, he, he says a lot of stuff about women that I can't get behind at all. And I'm like, yeah, but that's not the stuff that I'm personally enjoying. You yeah. Know, there's other bits and pieces. Yeah, there. that you enjoy and just sort of his general persona. Yeah, and and I, sometimes you're kind of like, I'm not going down that route with yeah. you. But like, I can see why that's your point of view. I say a lot of stuff about men and I don't hate them, but yes. it's fun to be able to make fun of them when I have the opportunity. And people enjoy that because they haven't heard that as much as what Bill does. Yeah. You know, and at some point that'll get old too. And then everyone's like, well, uh, you know. That's right. And also his persona is like, you know, I'm a psychopath. <laughs> he's not, he's not. It's a great Bilber He's not putting himself out there yeah. as like, you know, you should think like me, have yeah. the same opinions as me. Yeah. He's like, I'm fucking crazy. Yeah, exactly. And also he defines a certain limitation. Like you can be within that and still enjoy his point of view and be like, well, at least I don't go that far as to put it out there. But like, it's important for someone like him to be, to go that far out so that people who feel some of the ways that he feels at different times feel like they have, you know, a reflection or a representation of themselves. Yeah. Yeah. The tricky thing, I suppose, is when you start getting the wrong, well, the wrong kind of people. Who are the wrong kind of people? I but mean, people. A right? certain Just... <laughs> type of per- people who are only into the more extreme stuff or they only take uh, one message away from yeah, it. And they're, yeah, they're and just, they feel like yeah. they've been justified in having this unpleasant point of view because Bill was joking about it or whatever, or whoever it might be that they're into. You know? Yeah. I guess it's like that for bands, isn't it? When they do a song that's not representative of what they're yeah, really they're doing. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but they have a big hit. And then they start getting the weird types of folks showing up at Who their are coming gigs. to hear that one song and that's yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you can't necessarily determine or control who your fans no. are. And when bands like indie bands cross over as well, you know, like alternative bands. And some, like I remember being at a Radiohead gig and I was stuck at the back with all these... Actually, they were city guys, you know. Okay. So they'd just come out from work and they were still in their suits, some of them. <laughs> and they were into just... They, just they, suits at a Radiohead concert. They were just getting so hammered. I know, it's not... Yeah. They, they didn't get the memo. <laughs> <laughs> what, what was their... 
crossover into it was there a certain song that where or where they got into it or not they were, or well it was like, no surprises when they started uh-huh. playing no alarms no surprises oh, oh. and it was just uh like a football chant and right. you know you don't want to prescribe how people enjoy yeah it's like all right be elitist about a certain but on the other hand if it's if it's interfering with everybody else's enjoyment i was stood at the back there just going guys 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 but those people seem to not understand or care that they are interfering with other people's enjoyment of literally everything every place they go to it's what teenagers do isn't it when they get together you can see that their whole existence is defined by boundary pushing yes yes and button pushing and they're just testing, like, what, what are the rules of society? And so they're getting together. And as soon as it's a little bit quiet, they, they can't. It's almost as if they've got Tourette's or something. Yeah. They want to just make noise and go. Hey, and and they make... also realize that there's more of them than other people. And they can see the fear. Like, there's nothing more intimidating mm. than, like, about four or more, like, teenage lads or whatever. Or if there's a girl involved, whatever. But, like, you get a bunch of teenagers in Sometimes there. the girls can be the loudest. Yeah, that's true. These and, days. like, they'll rip you to shreds yeah, because yeah. they're like, we do this to ourselves every second of every day. We know exactly <laughs> how to tear you down. Yeah. And we will do it in a heartbeat if it makes us feel better for a half a second. Right. <laughs> what was it? You grew up in L.A., right? I did, yeah. Whereabouts in Los Angeles? Uh, well, not exactly in Los Angeles. I say that to people over here because I'm like, you're not going to know where I'm from. Uh, I grew up in, uh, I mean, I was born in Los Angeles, but my parents moved very quickly to this place called Diamond Bar, Mm -hmm. uh, which is near Pomona. Uh, further inland east, like you've got to sort of pass Disneyland in order to get there. I don't know. Snoop Dogg has a house there, I guess now. So, you know, people know it more. And what would you do to get your kicks on a Friday night then? Um, not much. I was a nerd. So I think, um, I don't mean, not even a nerd. Cause when you think about nerds, it's like they get really into stuff. I think I was just like, you know, I was just a weird fat kid who only had a couple of friends and like, I didn't do anything cool until, you know, I got to university. So on a Friday night, I would be probably watching Steve Urkel on TV. You know, it was like TGI Friday, right? It was just, um, yeah, I grew up on a television set, but I had two working parents and they just were like, okay, sit here, turn that on. You're, you're good. What's Steve Urkel? Oh, it's a show called Family Matters. I don't know if you ever saw that character. He's like, um, he's like this, uh, teenage uh like a nerdy black kid who's like the quirky neighbor to this family um, oh, okay and he's the one who comes over family and says, matters was a michael j fox no no that's family, family ties. ties family ties Sorry. so yeah family matters was a, a little bit later right? it was more prominent in the 90s you know it was definitely in like the sort of fresh prince of bel-air okay. era era and african-american yeah. cast yeah so right, it was okay. like a yeah black cast there was like a family and all of their stuff and then he would just come over and be like like the screech on Saved by the Bell Got or the you. Kramer or the whatever. Like he's that character. Oh, Cole, there you go. Because I'd heard people mention that as a reference, but yeah. never quite understood what it was. Yeah, yeah. Oh, right, he was, he was just like, I mean, basically at some point it became the Steve Urkel show, you know, because he would come in and say, did I do that? And then everyone would like lose their minds. And that's what the show became. Yeah. But yeah, anyway. So that was the first 18 years of your life. Yeah, was just pretty much there hoping to get out. I I presume that lots of young people, you know, at some point you have that like, I got to get out of this shit town, you know, especially teenagers feel that way. Mm. But I just definitely felt like I have to get 
out of Southern California as soon as I have a chance. I, I mean, it's beautiful. I miss the climate all the time and the ease of life, but I don't miss the sort of lack of culture or the uniformity of culture behind sort of like everything's about Hollywood, film, television, yeah. and like everybody wants to be on American Idol or whatever the heck it is. Like everybody yes. thinks they're famous. And I get, I mean, that's a ridiculous thing for me to say because that's what I'm working on. And also like everybody in the world is sort of like, oh, let's be famous. Sure. I was just sort of like, there has to be another way. Like, what did your folks do? My dad does, like, computer stuff, computer programming. And um, my mom worked for the city of Los Angeles. So when my parents met, she was working for the library, the, the Los Angeles library. But while I was growing up, she worked for the LAPD for a bit. Like, she was a typist. Okay. Like, a clerk typist. So, she, you know, like, she's just sitting there rows of other people like typing up stuff and then um and then she moved to working for lax at the you know airport still just you know she works as a typist her entire she life worked at all the fun places <laughs> totally hey everybody in the modern time they got to get themselves a podcast i will do yours and you'll do mine we're sorting out the problems of the world so fast I see now that you've gotten up and there are truth or dare sticks. Yes, mate. I got, that... I got these as a gift for you. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I've, I've brought nothing. I'm no, sorry. no. You, you brought yourself. <laughs> you've given me the gift of Desiree. <laughs> I've got you the gift of truth or dare sticks. Have you ever played truth or I dare? I have played truth or dare. I don't know if I ever have. Really? Yeah. You, uh, well, is that not a thing that like teenagers do? At, like, a, Well, I guess you need like a pool party or a slumber party. Something like or that. Or something like that to happen before someone's like, oh yeah, truth or dare. We know? never really did that. You know, we were sitting around uh, reciting poetry. It was like, <laughs> it was like Dead Poets Society <laughs> when I was a teenager. We were stroking our chins and uh, we were reading each other extracts from novels. No, but um, we didn't play Truth or Dare, though. So I'm quite intrigued. And the deal with these, these are sticks. So they're like long lolly sticks. Oh, interesting. And then on, on one side of the stick, it's yellow. And this is the dare side. So, for example, I've picked one out at random here. And the blue side, the other side, is the truth side. So this one says, describe your most awkward dating experience. So there's one. That that would be the truth one. Yeah. And on the other side is the dare side. Give someone your phone and let them send one text to anyone in your contacts. Oh, that's cute. Because when you play truth or dare, like with your friends at a party, like that, I actually now understand why that would be helpful because you just, people are uncreative. And so all the truths and all the dares have something to do with sex because it's all you're thinking about is like, okay, like take off your top and you're like <laughs> run around, you know, like it's just all, you can't think of anything. So it's nice to have. That's you know, right. It is. It's all about sex. You're right. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's not the basis on which we're playing it today. Yes, yes. Obviously. It's, it's not <laughs> and also, no one's around. If I take off my top and run around, no one will be any of the oh, yeah, I don't want to discourage you. But <laughs> this is not an overture to, to a sort of complicated form of podcast harassment. <laughs> Fair enough. Wait, should I go first? Yeah, go on. You go first. Okay. Um, so you choose whether you want to do the truth or the dare. That's the way it works, right? Okay. Yeah, well, uh, when I've played it, Whoever's doing the thing, like, I would ask you truth or dare, and then you would tell me which one you wanted. Oh, I see. And then I would be like, okay. 
Okay. Right. So you have to choose before you know what it is, which is the hard part, which is why usually the game was just called Truth. <laughs> At least because when I pl you play it with a lot of other girls and sometimes one of them is the daring one. But most of the time it's just like we just want to sit here in the sleeping bag and, and t share secrets. Yeah. You know? Um, because a lot of the time you get the dare. It's like, well, there's no way I'm doing that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm obviously not going to do, do that. that. Right. Yeah. But then you have other people be like, oh, Ooh, come on. Come on. It's the game. It's the game. <laughs> And they have a valid point. That is the yes, game. Yes, the game. But you're like, look, I'm not playing hand, the game. I yeah. will take this game and I will turn it right back around. Yeah, because <laughs> I saw one of the other sticks that I saw after I bought the thing. I was checking it out. One of the dares was lick the armpits of the person to your right. Yes. And I was thinking, is that going to be appropriate for Desiree? <laughs> Like, would she lick my armpits? I mean, I probably would because I am just, I'm like, I can do that. You know, like, I, there are lots of times when I'm just like, yeah, I'm going to, yeah, 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 you know? And then later you're like, I can't believe I licked his armpit. Like, yeah. I just met him. I mean, I washed this morning. Anyway, yeah, we don't, I mean, we so don't did know. I, but it's already an armpit again. Exactly. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. Okay. So, truth I, or dare? I'm going to go for truth first of okay. all. Okay. So, truth. If you could own your own business one day, what would it be? Wow. What a boring question. <laughs> yeah. And then everyone's like, oh, you chose truth. <laughs> no one's it. Like, absolutely Wait, no one in would bed. be. bed. <laughs> Not a single person would be interested in the answer to that. Well, uh, the honest answer would be I would run a bar. Yeah. I used to be a bartender. Yeah. And I often, I've said this before, I think, I often fantasize that when I get busted for doing something terrible or say the wrong thing <laughs> yes. and, and my career is over, I think I would be good at setting up a bar and I like all the decoration aspect of it. Yeah. I would have it low lit. Mm -hmm. I see so many bars and pubs. So much lighting. Where there's so no much one light. wants to see each other no. like that. And I think the reason <laughs> for it is that they don't want people to linger. Yeah. They want to turn them over. I, yeah, but, but I like it when it's you can barely see in Los Angeles. There's some great yeah. bars that have just a bit of floor lights, like fairy lights around mm -hmm. the floor or something. And it's you have to feel your way through. It's like a sexy dungeon. Or yes. Something. And why would you want to turn business over in a bar? You make your money by people getting drunker and drunker and making worse and worse decisions about what they're going to do next. That's true. Isn't like it? Yeah. when people are like shots, you're like, oh, great. Like I'm going home with some great tips. That's tonight, right. Or whatever. Like I don't get why. Because. A lot of bars here, you know, are pubs. And if you go in the wrong time of day, you know, it's like the old man pub and all the lights are on and you walk in and everyone looks at you because it's like, we don't already know you. And it's the same people here all the time. And you're kind of like, how do you survive as a business based on that? Yeah. You yeah. know? Well, I guess the other thing, isn't it, is that um, perhaps it's a function of an older clientele that they need the light. They want to, they can't see, see without. without the light. I'm That's at the stage true. now where I am, I'm turning on more lights than I used to because I just can't see without. It. Yeah, it's a shame. yeah. How old are you? Uh, thirty nine. Oh, you're all right. Then. Yeah, but it's start even still where I'm like I've got the contacts in, but I have to walk a certain distance to a sign before I can read it. You know, okay. and I drive. So, yeah, I think I'm in that place where you can see where it's gonna go. You know, like I think you get to a certain amount of age where it's like you're not old, but young is done. 
and you're like, oh, I have some more insight into how I might die or at least degenerate based on what I've already done to myself and what my tendencies are. Yes. And like the trouble I can feel brewing now, you know? Because, you know, when you injure yourself in your 20s, you're just like, oh, I'll walk that I'm off. indestructible. Yeah. And yeah. then in your 30s, you still have that same injury because it never went away because yeah. you never really dealt with it. And it just got worse over time. So, yeah. yeah, then you can start to see like, oh, I should look out for this now because history is shown it's not just gonna you know walk away mm. yeah would you ever do one of those dna tests um no i did one before they had to go through the whole fda process of like being like oh you can't tell people they're you can tell people they're sort of like um you know racial or ethnographic information but like not medical information okay so you learn some stuff where you're kind of like oh you metabolize caffeine slowly which is why i can't really have caffeine after two o'clock because i'll be up until five in the morning okay and i was like oh that's good to know even though i guess i kind of already guessed that and you know that kind of thing um but yeah they did have some like okay you have a maybe a higher tendency for breast cancer or like i can't remember if it was alzheimer's or parkinson's or one like it was one or the other like, one of those great great uh, yeah one of those the, yeah just like uh <laughs> winning it i don't know i didn't find anything that was like you are a hundred percent sure gonna die yes. of this you yeah. know which would have been freaky but yeah Fall, yeah right yeah fall in love with liver cancer because <laughs> it's yours that's baby. you're getting yeah <laughs> It's like your liver's just made of tumors. We don't know how you're here to take this test. Oh, man. What would your business be then if you set one up? If you were um, doing comedy? Something that was super easy? Uh, no, I, I feel like it would have to... Uh, be something like, you know, barman's great because it is interpersonal. And I can tell just speaking to you that you'd be that great kind that would be like, you know, put the shot glass down and like, hey, what's going on and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And be chatty, but still taking care of everyone's drink and Maybe. all of that stuff. <laughs> I don't know. My, I guess my first instinct is to do something like educational, you know. You've uh, done a bit of that in the past. I right? have, yeah. And I really do. It was interesting to do alongside with being a, a performer, a maker, a creator, all of those things, because I do theater as well as stand-up. But because you do get a lot of creative satisfaction out of doing that, you know, getting the best out of them. And because I, I particularly like working with middle school and high school. And like middle school is when everybody hates themselves the most and wants so to die. So instead of 14 to... Uh, sixth grade is 12. So like 12, 13, 14. Okay. Like that era when they're just, they're pre-teens or mm. tweens or whatever the heck it is. When they're young, they're so much more willing to like be like, I just thought of something. It's going to have a rocket ship and it's going to, you know, and they, they don't judge themselves. And then 12, 13, 14 is the era at which they come into a place where it's all judgment. And suddenly they're, they're in the sort of hinterland between like, I want to be creative, but I also like don't want to be emotionally destroyed. And that is what is at stake here. And by the time they're in high school that's still a factor but also they've built up some defenses and they're kind of yes. like i don't fucking care like whatever cool whatever i don't care you know but that age they still you still have a chance to like help them remember that they care about something before they get sort of pummeled down yeah. by you know their hormones and everything else and so yeah. a lot of people talk about how seventh grade was the hardest year seventh grade is year 13 that's the time when you're changing over and everyone's just like i just remember hating myself and everything in life you know yeah. and it's really great to be able to like just reach someone at that point and that's give the them wonder hope. years isn't yeah it? yeah exactly you know and it's not all like you know oh winnie cooper's next door and it's all beautiful and she's on a bike you know 
know, like sometimes it's like my home life is imploding. Yeah. And what the hell is this shit on my face? That's right. You know? <laughs> and um, I've just discovered what wet dreams are. Yeah. And I can't tell and anyone. I don't think that's very good. Yeah. And like no the one things told that me about I'm that. thinking about that cause them, you're just like, you know, like yeah. someone needs to tell you like, yeah, you're going to think some fucked up things that's right that get you off and it's like okay like I'm, that i'm yeah. concerned that i might be satan i was really <laughs> <laughs> was that a concern for yeah, you, you were like point, i am the devil i remember after i had my first wet dream i had no no one had told me about that no one <laughs> no one ever why why do parents why did they not just go like i mean i get it it's embarrassing but just be like Okay. By the I, way. Yeah, yeah. I can already see your face is breaking out and hairs are growing out of it. So let's just get it, it all out on the right, table. Here's a few other things to look out for. Yeah. Or like, here's a big book. Just yeah. here's the book to look it up in. If you don't want to talk to me because it's weird, just here's the book. Yeah. But then maybe if it had been me, I probably would have not got past the pictures of the naked women. <laughs> yeah. But they slice them in half and then you're like, oh, well, that's not sexy anymore. That's the way I like them. <laughs> You you are the devil. Yeah, well, <laughs> so wait, you devil. had your first wet dream and you were like, First I'm wet Satan. dream and I just woke up and I thought, what the shit was that? <laughs> that is not cool. What if I go and stay with a friend? I can't go and stay with any other people. Yeah, ever. And yeah. Plus, it's, it was just like, oh, this is awful. I'm totally out of control. Because you think, <laughs> you, you have no conception that it's something that's not going to last for very long it's yeah only, it's only a short phase and you're gonna get you know get your faculties back after a while <laughs> you just think you're like a hydrant that may go off yeah, at any time exactly and exactly. just destroy well, just be walking lives. down the street and it'll just be like <laughs> and then it's like yeah and everyone's like no it's like um <laughs> it's like the lonely island video jizz in my pants i don't i don't know that video oh, but i should it's look fucking at it. funny <laughs> jizz in my pants and it's just <laughs> it's just a guy going around and you know that kind of stuff it's all sort of hip-hop parodies and yeah stuff. and it's these cool guys in a club and one of them sort of sees a woman and she smiles at him and, and then i jizzed yeah. in my pants <laughs> that's so. gonna be so hard i have never envied men for that because it's just like I mean, all of your organs are hanging out of your body, and yeah. it's just super awkward. Well, it's, and everyone <laughs> can tell how you feel about them at any time yeah. if they want to. Like, that's just a lot. It's super intense. It's not a problem for most people after a certain age. But when you are a teenager, it really does feel like that. It feels like, watch out, yeah. because I am not in control of any of this, and it could happen at any second. Yeah. So, so stand well back. And I woke up after the first wet dream and I just thought, holy shit. And I actually went to the mirror and I looked. Yeah, have, you ever seen, have you ever seen the second uh, Damien film? No, I didn't. There's a point in that film. He's at some military academy. I haven't seen it for years. And he does some terrible thing and he gets freaked out. And he's like, what, what the hell am I? And he goes and he looks in the mirror and he sees on the top of his scalp, he parts his hair and he sees 666 on his scalp. And he's like, fuck. And then I think later on, he sort of gets into it and he thinks, oh, yeah. So, fine. like, is that about him accepting that he's the spawn of Satan yeah, or whatever? Yeah, like, the, just the, the coming of age. Exactly. <laughs> wow, I, why did that guy suddenly drop dead when I got angry? I yeah. So I, I thought, holy shit, maybe I'm, this is the early stages of me. Did you look for the sixes? I did, I did. Did you see how many sixes were there? Couldn't see one. I mean, there was a couple of blotches. I thought, is that a six? <laughs> You're like, no, it's just, just eczema. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a, uh, 
just a bit of melanoma. I was very relieved when I found out that it was something that a lot of people go through. Yeah, but I, I don't think that that stops. I think that people respond so much to, you know, what we do, you know, as comedians, as live performers or whatever, yeah. because every so often we hit on a thing that someone's like, oh my God, thank you so much for saying that because it made me feel okay about something that was precisely that or similar enough to let me know that I was still included in the world of people. Because yeah. I think that a lot of times we can feel things, experience things, you know, whatever our bodies, our reactions to other people that make us feel like we are not fit for human consumption in any way. And I think that is that continues to be powerful for people to be like, I'm okay, I'm human too. You know, I'm allowed to be part of the crowd and to, you know, fail and to be somebody's asshole sometime and all of those things, you know, everybody. <laughs> what is. a lovely thought. <laughs> right? Well, it's just sort of, you know, it's just sort of relieving to be like, I, all of these of things course. that I point my fingers at and judge people for, I will be subject to at some of point. Course. And sometimes I catch myself in the middle of it and it's nice to have the recognition. It just, yeah. it's always really nice. Yeah, man. Well, that was a good long detour from yeah. that one stick. Yeah. What, what was the dare? Uh, the dare... Imitate popular YouTube videos until someone can guess the video that you are imitating. <laughs> Could you just be like, meow, 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 and then like push something off of a. <laughs> <laughs> it has table. to be a specific one, doesn't it? God, I guess so. Is that still a thing? Are there memes that cross over to that degree? Could you just do a hip hop video or something? Or? Yeah, I wonder. I mean, all the ones that I can think of are quite. Old, you know, every so often there's, you know, like that one that got auto-tuned or whatever that yeah. everybody kind of knows. But all of those that I can think of tend to be pretty old. Like there, I, I can think of um, chocolate rain. Yes, days <laughs> on day. Yes, totally. Like I mean, he's still like um, part of the the YouTube pantheon in my mind because yeah, he was one of the earlier he ones. Was. Where, like leave. Britney alone! Yeah. <laughs> Chris right? Crocker, yeah. Yes. Like, those are, you know, th those are like Hollywood Walk of Fame, YouTube, you know, people in my mind still, you know? Dare stick? Should I do one for you yeah, now? Yeah, please. All right. So, what are you going to go for? Truth uh, or dare? I mean, I probably will go for truth, but it's. I mean, that, like... that, that was an innocuous dare. Though. Yeah. I should I try? It's going to be lick your armpit. Okay. Uh, let's try dare. <laughs> let's try dare. Okay. Now this is no good. <laughs> Run around outside with your boobies out. Put them in the window no, of the that, neighbor. That would be fine. <laughs> I mean, honestly, it would be fine. Have one of the other players, i.e. you, prepare an eight-ounce beverage using any edible items found in the refrigerator. <laughs> <laughs> and, 
and drink it. Oh, God. No, no, no. <laughs> I mean, wait, so I should prepare a beverage and then I drink it? Because I will prepare a lovely beverage. <laughs> that is not a very functional dare. Should I pick truth instead? Is truth yeah, better on, for this one? Yeah, let's do truth. All right, here we go. Tell us the real reason you broke things off with your last boyfriend or girlfriend. Oh God. Okay. Um, that was that was the right one to go. Are you for. able to do that? I am able to do that. Um, I actually just recently broke up with my uh, ex, and he he was the reason I came to the UK. Okay. Uh, so we were together for the past like three and a half years almost, and then we just recently. Well, we broke up in the fall, but then you know because it's the modern era and nobody has enough money, like we had to live together for like another three or so months before I could actually move. Oh, that's him emailing. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, tell her no. Saying, I can't believe you're telling this story. Story right now. <laughs> I mean, it's not like there's a story. I mean, he's... Yeah. He's wonderful. I will always love him in that sort of family way. But I, you know, I, I moved for love and uh, most times it doesn't work out, which is evidenced by people whenever you say, oh, I moved for a guy. They're like, you still together? Immediately, you know, which is kind of like, that never works. Why would you even try that? Did it fall apart? Tell me it fell apart. But uh, yeah, we stayed together for a while, but I think we just sort of... So he was a Brit, was he? Yeah, 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 okay. yeah. I mean, he's just all the British things. He's like from the Midlands in his 40s, just like, you know, disaffected white guy, like just all the things. <laughs> yeah, And super lovely. But I think every relationship has its sort of central breach, you know, and all of the fights are ultimately about that. Yes. You know, I think when I moved over... He was very much like, okay, we're together now. This is sewn up. We should start thinking about the rest of our lives. Like, you know, he's got a couple of years on me. You know, like he was just sort of ready to sew the whole package together and keep moving forward. And I moved over and I was like, well, we just got into a relationship that was long distance. And like, let's see if it works. And so there wasn't ever a like trial period or like, let's be dating. Let's, you know, make this a thing. It was just, okay, this is all sorted already. And so I think that the intimacy just sort of dried up. And then we were just sort of like friends who were living together, having fights. But was there ever a moment where you got a chill and thought, holy shit, I can't believe I've just moved. And this is the way it's going to go. I mean, just like right off the bat. I think even before I came over, there was sort of a like, hmm, but it was mostly about just the sex was not necessarily working the way it was supposed to work. And I was like, okay, well, it's still young and we'll sort it out and whatnot. But I think... I think for him, he had trust issues with me and I could understand why because I was kind of like, like, totally untrustworthy. Yeah, completely, (laughs) completely. I mean, I'm basically scum and a cute round face. Um, But essentially, I think that, you know, he was like, okay, we're together. And I was like, hold back. And I also was very aware the entire time that for the first six months I was here, I was here as a visitor. Um, I couldn't work. I didn't have a visa to work. I was solely dependent on him. I was very aware of that fact. And, you know, the money does affect things in terms of I felt like I couldn't speak out about certain things because I had no recourse. I didn't have... I didn't, I wasn't able to be like, well, it's my way or the highway, you know, because I think that both people in a relationship have to be like that in order to be honest. And if one person is sort of in the back of their heads, kind of like, I'm, you know, 5,000 miles away from where I'm from and 3,000 miles away from where I moved from or whatever. And if this doesn't work out, yeah, I can go back home, but I kind of don't want to do that because there's the whole sort of pride. I don't want to go home with my tail between my legs after I've just like moved for love. And also I was liking, even though it was hard to be in a new country 
country and to start over, I was liking my life so much better. And I, I wanted to leave New York so bad by the time that I moved over here because I'd just been there for 13 years and you start getting sick of it after like six or seven. So that's where you yeah. were at university? Uh, I was at university in Connecticut. Um, I oh, went okay. to Yale, which is in New Haven, but it's like an hour and a half outside of New York. So ah. lots of people just leave and go to New York, which is what I did. Right. Yeah. Um, and so I'd been there since graduation. And, you know, it's in some ways, it's a cool place to be young. Like there's lots of stuff to do and lots of, you know, just, just different nooks and crannies of cultures to get yourself into. But also it's really tiring and you get into your 30s and you're like, I can't keep doing this, especially because, you know, everyone's like, you're great, keep going. And there isn't any sort of like, all right, you've been doing this for a while. And like, now you can do these things. Like everybody's hustling. Everybody is super ambitious and has the sort of ambition monster of like, you got that thing. How did you get that thing? I need to get that thing in order for me to be happy. The truth is like, it's none of it's going to make you happy. And mm. especially when you're a comic and a performer, you usually do that because you're like, I have the get attention gene and I have like a fear of abandonment and I have all these issues that have made me thrust myself onto a stage and be very vulnerable and very interpersonal. And a lot of the commerce of art, especially in New York, feeds on just juicing the battery out of people and being like, you're gonna do it anyway. Why the hell would we pay you? Here's your drink ticket. Like, you're gonna show up whether or not you get money. So let's just not give it to you. You know, I got to a place where it's like, I can't have two other jobs and this in order to survive, you know, or at least one job that I like less and and two of these other things to do that. So, yeah. you know, I, I was just sort of, I was just tired and I was tired of being in the same machine. And so, you know, when I came over, I was really excited about it. I wanted to make it work because, you know, relationships take work and they're hard and all of this other stuff that people tell you and you have no gauge about how hard it's supposed to be or not or what's supposed to come naturally and what isn't. You don't know. And I was not, I, I think both he and I were not people you know, we were, we'd got, gotten so far on our own. So it's like two people who've been alone for a long time are going to find it hard to come together and compromise. And then also like neither of us had been in a lot of relationships. Like he may be more than I, but like I'd actually never been in a long-term relationship. It was always like, you know, a couple months and then things, are, you know, it's easy to just be like, right. eh, I don't, eh, whatever, so you know. why not do your first long-term relationship? Yep. In another country. In another just, country. Uh, yeah, I just was like, I'm time. I'm putting my eggs into this basket. Yeah. <laughs> like, if you don't go for it, you don't get anything. Sure. And so, you know, I went for it and I got so much out of it. But the relationship, the love thing, it never, you know, took its next form on. It never really got there. And I think the more we were dubious about each other, like, you know, I pulled back and then he could feel that and then he pulled back. And then mm. we kept doing that sort of backwards dance from each other. Yes. Um, so, yeah, I think that's kind of how it fell apart as sad as it is, you know, but it's just kind of like, uh, just because you want to, you know, like someone a lot and want to be with someone doesn't mean that like they're the one. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Well, that was a very comprehensive answer to the... Uh, <laughs> I mean, it would have been so much better if it was just like, oh, I fucked around. Yeah. <laughs> is that real melody? Who's in my phone charger? What? What? I left it right there. Woof. Did you see it? What? Have you got it? What? Where's my charger gone? Where's my phone charger? What? The battery is about to die. It was on the table. Woof. 
round and round in their heads go the chord progressions, the empty lyrics, and the impoverished fragments of tune. And boom goes the brain box at the start of every bar, at the start of every bar. Boom goes the brain box. Boom goes the brain box. Have you seen my phone charger? What? Boom goes the brain box. Woof. I left it right there. Where's my charger gone? Where's my phone charger? The batteries are about to die. It was on the tables, 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 on the tables. I did, that is true. This is stuff that I did, you know, in my um, early 20s, so more than, you know, you know, whatever, a decade and a half ago almost, right? And you were in New York at this time. Yes, I was in New York at the time. And um, I think that there are a lot of stories about any form of sex work and why people get into it. And it's always, oh, she needed the money. And it's like, well, who doesn't need the money? Like we do all of our jobs because we need the money. You know, I mean, you see somebody like shoveling shit in a place where you're like, well, you know, he's doing it for the money. Yeah, of course he is. Like it's not doing it for fun, right? Yeah. And so like, yeah, but I, I think it was also uh, a lot of, a lot more women than anybody suspects do this as a work because, you know, you have to think about like your sort of return on investment as yeah. far as your time and whatnot. If you are a creative person in some regard, then a lot of your energy is going into that and not a lot of money is coming out of it. But if you have a line of work in which you can make a hundred or two hundred dollars, pounds, whatever, from doing something for an hour, yeah, you know, why wouldn't you do that? Especially when a lot of times, I mean, as far as pro-dom work, it's a form of sex work where it ends with a dude having a wank. Okay. And, ha- you know, it's not like you are having intercourse with them. It's just like, you're there and he's having a wank. Whatever. A lot of women have lived through that anyway, against their will. <laughs> it would have been nice if he'd left 200 bucks on the, you know, when yeah. he was done. Then you would have been like, well, okay, fine. Like, because in that scenario, it's like, well, we all understand what this arrangement is. I feel like so many of us have had someone else's sexuality foisted upon us in one form or another. Yeah. Then you're just like, I bet yeah. Louis C.K. didn't leave two hundred. No, bucks. he didn't. And you're just like, yeah, no, you need to pay me. You, you, you took my time and my attention, and you got something for it, and I want to get something for it too. And yeah. it's not going to be sexual, unfortunately. Like I'm not getting off on it you know how did you come to get into it then i was uh i honestly i was seeing someone at the time very briefly who knew somebody who was doing it and i spoke to her it was just basically it was just something i think i'd always wanted to say i'd done i don't know if i always wanted to do it but like once i heard about it i wanted to say that i'd done it you know because it sounds I, I in my mind it's like I'm gonna learn how to be a lady badass from doing that because mm-hmm. that's the image and the persona of what is put out about like some woman wearing a corset or in leather or whatever the heck it is and so I think that I was always such uh, in many ways even though I'm very sort of um oh I can perform and entertain people and be very extroverted seeming you know a lot of people who seem like extroverts are really super shy introverts who just like cross a threshold and then they perform so that they have this protective barrier between what people perceive as themselves and where their actual self lies you know there's there's more distance it is a protective measure even though it seems like wow you're just so naturally talented you're like no there's a hamster who is working all the time to put on this light show so that you don't come behind the fucking curtain and to 
manage the way people see, see them. them. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Because I don't want you to actually see me because if you did, you could hurt me, yes. you know, simply by dismissing it. Yeah. And so I'm going to give you something that you can enjoy because I know what you like. I've been watching you for a while and you seem to be into this. So let me go ahead and do this. Yeah. And then I can just like skirt by and live my life. Yeah, I think that I was so... Uh, so just, you were used to that kind of transaction. Yeah, that sort of like, I perform this thing for you. Yeah. And then you get, you're really excited about it. And then, you know, there's money. And then money. you come. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then you come and then I'm like, I win. Because you you came and you're all super stoked. And I'm like, yep, I did yeah. it. And did you have a character that you would... What was your character when ish, you were doing it? Ish, like... Um, you know, I think that if I had been smarter about it, I would have had more of a sort of persona, but I think there's so much of it that you're just curious about. Like I was a virgin when I was a dominatrix. I still hadn't actually had sex. So yeah, right, okay. yeah because I, I was just like, I'm going to go learn some stuff about sex and I'm going to go to sex school. You know, like it's like a postgraduate thesis that I'm doing, but I'm just, I, I think that I thought if... I learned more about men and their desire. It would demystify them for me and sort of take some of the fear away. Like, I don't know. Like, went, I don't want to. You went straight for the postgraduate course. Though. Yes, exactly. Before going <laughs> to high school. Before starting. Yeah, 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 absolutely. But I think I've always, I often am like, okay, well, I need to do this. And so I overshoot the mark so far. In your mind, you've blown it up. You know, like, I'm... 23 and I'm a virgin. Something went horribly wrong and no one's ever going to want me. And I need to figure out some skills so that when someone deigns to like want to be with me, I can impress them so much that they might want to come back. Yes. Like I think that was the underlying fear or suspicion. It's like what you don't have in sort of natural desirability, you make up for in acumen and skill. And you know? what was your first job as a pro dominatrix? The pro bit is just that you get paid for it, right? Well, the pro bit is that, yeah, I mean... Yeah, as opposed to like, it's part of your personal life. It's just a yeah. kink. But it's like, yes, you get paid for it. So um, I'm trying to think. It might have it might have been Roy. I don't know. <laughs> but he, I mean, he was, I, it might have been. I can't remember if it, no. Like, I think the first one was like, you know, a lot of guys come in for sensual dumb, sensual domination. And you're like... Like all the women who work there are like, sensual dog. It just means they want to be like hugged a lot and shit. You know, once you're uh. like, you're wearing like a nightgown and you're like, oh, you're bad. They want to be like mommied and like they want a free feel up and then you get to kind of spank them. And the far more interesting part is when they're just pain sluts and you're like, I can treat your body as a science experiment. Like I can put how many clothespins on your balls before you break. <laughs> like, and it seems to be a never ending amount for some people. And you're just like, wow. Like that is the, the it becomes a fast. Yeah. You're just like, I really? Whoa. You know, and then at that point, it feels to me, at least on my side, so divorced from sex. I mean, I know that their bodies and sexuality and his desire and pleasure involved, but the distance between what I'm doing and what I think pleasure is and what he's experiencing is so far that it's just like, wow, like I can put pins in it. Like this is bonkers. Like, let's go for it. That was always the funnest for me. Like one of the, the funnest things to do. Cause Putting I was just like, pegs on people's yeah, nuts. like tying them up, just, just hitting them, just anything that they, <laughs> you know, they were like, oh no harder. And I'm just like, you don't know when to stop. I mean, at a certain point you're like, I'm going to do damage. And now that's going to become scary. You know, there was a guy who came in just to get his nipples twisted, uh -huh. but clearly he, 
does this with all kinds of dominatrices, Um, sex workers, whatever. They were clawed into, they were like chunky. They look like an eraser tip that you would like stuck your thumbnail in many times. And I was like, something's going to fall off and I'm going to scream and run out of the room. Like you have to, at a certain point, I'm like, just maybe don't take the poppers before you do this because it might be important for you to feel what's happening, you know? But, and that was the craziest bit to me of just, yeah, like how much further and further and further this person needs to go for their pleasure. And, you know, because it was always surprising to me, like how much, I was just like, how much do you guys need to get off? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, because at the end of it, it's like, and like, I'm kind of like, that's not, it doesn't seem like the most complex process in the world. I don't know what goes on inside your bodies for that, but it just seems like you can get that in a variety of ways, you know, like how much better does one feel than the other? I don't know, you know? So you weren't like taking a cheese grater to people's... um, And like nut sacks. No, I I mean, there are uh, people who will do that. You know, those were not typically my clients. And I would imagine... A lot of the women who worked in the dungeon I worked at had regulars that they had brought in with them when they started or that they developed while they were there. And so I imagine for something like that, you're going to want, you don't just want anyone grading your balls. No. You know, like you need somebody who knows how you Jamie like your Oliver. balls graded. Yeah, exactly. Someone you who's know? got a, a zesty light. You know? Exactly. An intimate <laughs> understanding of grating. <laughs> and your balls. This is an advert for Squarespace. Every time I visit your website, I see success. Yes, success. The way that you look at the world makes the world want to say yes. It looks very professional. I love browsing your videos and pics, and I don't want to stop. And I'd like to access your members area and spend in your shop. These are the kinds of comments people will say about your website if you build it with Squarespace. Just visit squarespace.com slash Buxton for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, because you will want to launch, use the offer code Buxton to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. So put the smile of success on your face with Squarespace. Yes. Continue. Oh my nuts! Welcome back, Podcats. Desiree Birch there. Really enjoyed meeting Desiree, and I thank her very much indeed for her time. Heading back home now, and the house is full of children. Mm, I don't know who they are. Some of them are mine. They're on half term at the moment. It's always half term, as far as I can tell. And the half terms are very long. Half term, when I was a lad, Half term was uh, about an extra two to three hours, if you were lucky, that you had off school. And that was it. Now it's, I don't know, a month. That's what it feels like. And during half term, what have we got lined up? It was my daughter's birthday recently. 
And so my wife, my wife, has arranged for us to go and see Hamilton. And that's a big deal. My daughter's very excited about it. She's obsessed with Hamilton. I'm quite excited. I mean, hey, look, I like Formula One. Who doesn't? But do I need to see a whole hip-hop musical about him? <laughs> ah, tried that joke out last night with some friends. And it didn't do well. So I thought, yeah, stick it in the podcast. We really are going to see Hamilton, though. And my daughter has been rapping a great deal in anticipation of the trip. She knows all the words. That's good for me because that's one of my favorite genres of rap is um, 10-year-old middle-class English girl rap. I think, for me, it's more real, that's all. And it just is more what the genre was really originally intended to be. So it's exciting. What else can I tell you before I say goodbye today? Well, um, oh, there's a new series of Messi Goes to Okido. If you've got children, young children, and you are looking for something new to watch with them that is fun, educational, and not contemptuously moronic, then I would recommend Messi Goes to Okido. I provide the voice for Messi Monster, who's one of the uh, gang that goes around sort of learning things about the world and how things work in a fun way. It's put together by the people that did Postman Pat. And I really had fun doing it with my fellow actors, voice actors, Rob and Kate and Shelley. But I do like, I think it's a great show. So check it out. Messi Goes to Okie Doe. It's on the BBC. I guess it's CBBS. And there's a new series airing because, uh, let's face it, we only did about 90 episodes of the first series and the world was clamoring for fresh Messi Goes to Okido. So now they've got it. Also, I tweeted earlier this week the trailer for Joe Cornball's Cornish's new film, The Kid Who Would Be King. It comes out in Easter of next year, 2019. No sign of buckles in the trailer, although as far as I'm aware, I do pop up in one pivotal scene towards the beginning of the movie. And it's a better cameo than I've had in uh, Cornish's previous efforts. But check out the trailer, it looks very good. Rosie, come on, time to head back. Hey, oh, it's a second fly past. That was a good one. Wow, it's beautiful out here. For beautiful trees, and bracken, and all like the leaves turning red and gold and shit. It could be painted by a painter man with all like really good light and colors and all that. That's how I would describe it. So listen, thank you very much indeed once again to Desiree Birch for her time. And thank you to Seamus Murphy Mitchell for his absolutely indispensable production support. Thanks, Seamus. Thank you to Emma Mills for additional editing on this episode. And thank you very much, Podcats, for making this a part of your lives, for listening right to the end, the quartermasters, the hardcore. I appreciate it. 
Until next time, we share the same aural space. Go carefully. Don't get involved in Twitter rows. And remember, I love you. Thumbs up.